Hi, I'm Darcy T. Kelly, and this is Storytime with Darcy. In every episode, with the help of a few guests, I read you a piece of my own short fiction. I'm an eclectic writer, so you may be surprised by the genres and situations, but what these stories have in common is their exploration of big ideas. As we all know too well, the world has changed this past month. The story originally scheduled to run today no longer feels like the best choice, but if you're a fan of post-apocalyptic stories, don't you worry. Extinct will find its place in the podcast sooner or later. Instead, for now, I think the world will appreciate a touch of levity. Now, I admit, I don't think I'm funny. My mother thinks I'm hysterical, but her opinion might be a little biased. Heedless, last year, I took a stab at writing a comedy. And, well, if it doesn't make you laugh out loud, I hope Three's a Crowd will at least give you a giggle. Oh, I should mention, if you've read this story before, either on my Facebook page or in my book, Musings, this version is a little bit different. Um, it's re-edited, remastered, reworked, however you'd like to word it. This is a 2.0 version of Three's a Crowd. I want to extend special thanks today to my many guest voices. As the story is about family, and COVID-19 has unfortunately separated me from my family, I'm delighted to have Hilke, my mom, Ron, my dad, Anissa and Pamela, my sisters, and Lyra, one of my nieces, to join in on today's fun. I love you all. I miss you so much. I miss your hugs. And I'm so happy that we were able to work together on this project from our own corners of the world. Okay, let's begin. Three's a Crowd by Darcy T. Kelly. It's a love to end all loves. Literally. Not literally like the kids use it. I dislike how each generation finds a new way to pervert the language. About 30 years ago, my granddaughter told me, Cool means hot, Grandma. Echoing my daughter 20 years before that, saying, Hot means fashionable, Mom. I shudder to think how my great-grandchildren are further deforming the English language. Oh, no. When I say literally, I mean literally. At 84 years old, I'll be with Hank until the end. Well, that was the plan before Stella came back. Stella, Hank's childhood sweetheart left after barely a year of marriage. Hank calls it his wedded miss. Ten lost months resulting in zero children and 40 years of bachelor-like healing. If you know what I mean. He adds with a mischievous wink on the rare occasion he tells the story. I suppose I should thank her. If Stella hadn't broken his heart all those decades ago, he wouldn't be the man I love. But no, my inner teenager resents that she abandoned him, hurt him, but mostly that she came back. I didn't expect I'd love again after George died. We met when I was 16, married a year later, 
raised four amazing children and witnessed the high school graduations of nine grandchildren before he died, holding my hand. I mourned for six years, one for each decade we were married. Then I met Hank. I turned my hearing aids off as Doris hit the 20-minute mark, talking about her husband's latest bout of pneumonia. And my attention started wandering around the senior's home. A man, easily 20 years my junior given the apparent health of his knees, crawled on all fours, hunting like a hound dog. Pardon me, ladies. He interrupted loud enough to hear unamplified. But my friends misplaced his dentures. I assured him that I'd find them if it took searching every nook and granny. The delight on his face was radiant as he rolled lips over teeth, feigning toothless distress and playfully searched. I burst into laughter as he barely tickled me, and I haven't stopped since. Until Stella, that is. That woman walked into my life with her ample, lycra-wrapped, 62-year-old ass and Hank's eyes clouded with nostalgia and boyhood yearning. Stella, all sweetness and sunshine, purred. I'm so happy you're happy. As Hank introduced me with a kiss on my cheek. But when Hank turned away, her expression asked, You up for a fight? I pressed to his side with a smile and kissed him so deeply, my dentures fell into his mouth. Hank is always up for an adventure. Today, it's swing dancing. While our group is young at heart, we're slightly older in other places. I foresee tragedy as a dozen bags of brittle bones and hunched backs play snap the whip with each other. As the big band music hammers away, Saul's walker crushes Tess's toes. Betty shuffles in solo circles, flapping hands overhead. And Vera performs the sign of the cross, praying not to fall and break a hip. Then there's Hank, gyrating and bopping, kicking and jumping, gently holding my hand, and coming in for a hug and sway before he's off again. I'm midway through a full-throated chortle as Hank swoops in for another snuggly wiggle when Stella arrives. Oh, good. She made it. Hank Charleston's in her direction and launches her in a spinning whirl before dancing back to me. For the rest of the song, Hank prances between us, twirling me in and then Stella, sashaying around the room, holding each of us by the hand. I feel a gentle pull as Stella tugs him closer, tossing her hair flirtatiously. I respond with a yank of my own, a shy smile, and was that me? Eyebrows. Happy to let you lead, ladies. Hank, enjoying every moment, has no idea he's the object of a tug-of-war. With her next twirl, Stella plants a hand firmly on Hank's rump. During my turn, I land a lip lock. Stella shimmies her boobs in his face, and I... 
I attempt to arch my back and lean in, breasts first, with come-hither eyes. Instead, I throw out my back and fall into Hank's arms, wishing I could move enough to writhe in agony. The news spreads unevenly through the dancing crowd, like the fall of badly placed dominoes. Eventually, a staff member calls an ambulance. I lay in Hank's arms, gazing into his eyes as he strokes my hair and seniors dance around us. Hank and I haven't married. When he first started getting a little handsy, I brought it up. Shouldn't we get married first? Hank stepped back. Whoa, once was enough. I was showing my age, needed to update my perspective. Luckily, I already had plans with my girls. Dad wants you to be happy, Mom. Since he can't be the only man you ever loved, at least he can be the only man you ever married. You don't need to buy the cow when he's giving the milk away for free, Grandma. Isn't Hank already your prince, Gigi? My great-granddaughter showed wisdom beyond her years. A signed paper won't change how we feel about each other, how committed we are to each other. We share a house, a bed, and our hearts. He is my love to end all loves. Once the paramedics confirm nothing is broken, lift me to a chair, administer muscle relaxants, and suggest swing dancing be left to those a little younger. Stella shimmies over to me, bosom bouncing offbeat and wheezes. We're still married. Never got divorced. I'm dumbfounded, heartsick, with dawning awareness that I am a doped-up octogenarian adulterer. He never got a divorce? They've been separated for how long? What's... Adult er er Gigi. Having just taken a sip, the surprised guffaw twinges my tender back while forcing tea out my mouth and up my nose. Trying to regain my dignity by dabbing a napkin against my lips and adjusting the pillow supporting my injured muscles, I glance at my great granddaughter. Isn't she a little young for this conversation? Our multi-generational tea party has become quite an education for little Sophie today. Oh, she's fine. Her mom, my granddaughter, Gina, wets a napkin in Sophie's cup and, holding the back of the child's head firmly, scrubs chocolate and crumbs off her face. She doesn't understand most of what we say, and what she does is good to learn. I'm raising a fierce female future leader. Sophie fights free of her mother's facial attack and wipes a crinkled nose with a frilly forearm before smiling sweetly. May I please be excused? As Sophie rushes to her video game, Sarah, my daughter, turns to me with a serious expression. You're telling us that she left him over 40 years ago, after less than a year of marriage. They haven't seen each other since. She pauses for emphasis. But they're still married? 
I set my teacup down, forcibly relax my jaw, and answer, Yes. Isn't there a statue of limitations or something? Gina chimes in. I mean, you can get an annulment if you've never had sex. So if you haven't had sex in 40 years, doesn't that automatically mean you're not married anymore? That would save some hassle. Sarah is in the middle of a divorce. She's jaded, tired, and evidently hasn't had sex in a while. We're definitely coming back to that, Mom. Gina assures Sarah. Our family never was one to ignore or pretend. But let's finish with the Hank crisis first. It's not a crisis. I'm horrified enough already. And there is nothing to discuss. Hank is married. The end. No, not the end. Teacups clink and a slosh of pale brown water dampens the tablecloth as Gina stands pontificating. You love him, right? Of course. And he loves you? Yes, but... No buts. Gina slams the table hard, and I hear Sophie giggle from the other room. Mom said butts. <laughs> You've been together for over two years. That's more than twice the time they were married. Who does she think she is anyways? After 40 years? Gina has a point. He's your love to end all loves, damn it. Are you going to let that hoochie broad steal him away? That description might be an overreaction, but her fervor is catching. Even Sarah is sitting up straighter. No, I'm not. Then what are you gonna do? I'm gonna fight for Hank. Is that all? My granddaughter, the rebel leader. Hell no. In frenzied passion, I spring from my seat, throwing a fist in the air. I'm gonna win! I stand too fast. Muscle relaxant dosed blood rushes to my head. The world spins and I wobble back to the chair, undercutting my conviction. I glance around, ensuring no one can see the screen over my shoulder. For the first time, I wish I had a home computer instead of relying on the one at the senior center. Trying to look casual, my arthritic hand coaxes the mouse to open the internet. The screen flashes, and colorful letters shout, Google! A small gray line blinks at the beginning of a question. What are you looking for? I check the coast is clear and, letter by letter, peck out how to keep my man. Unsure what comes next, I pause, cradling my aching hands. The words, I feel lucky, catch my attention. I like the optimism of that. Wishing I'd brought my Bengay, I move the mouse, click, and am rewarded with a fresh screen. Number one, compliment him. Tell him he looks good, smells good, is hot, smart, and sexy. Number two, heat things up in the bedroom. Share your fantasies. Number three, let him know you think of him. 
wear sexy underwear under your clothes and tell him. Any emails from the kids? Hank wraps his arms around my shoulders, nuzzles my neck. My heart races as I fumble to find an off switch. The screen finally fizzles to black as Hank spins the swivel chair around to face him. The heart rate like that. I hope it wasn't the kids you were thinking about. I blush, flustered. He growls. Let's get out of here. Guess we're starting with step two. Heat things up in the bedroom. Sex isn't the same in my 80s as it was in my 20s. For one thing, lubrication is significantly more important in moderation. Things get rather slippery when an aching hand squeezes the lube tube too hard. Add to that joints that don't bend and muscles that don't stretch, and it's easy to understand why sex is a risky adventure when you're chronologically challenged. While I used to share a post-coital cigarette with George, I now share a post-coital pot of Bengay with Hank. As I try to decide where I hurt most, my research pops into my head. Share your fantasies. I take a deep, steadying breath before asking, What are your fantasies, Hank? Continuing to rub salve into his shoulder, Hank tosses a wistful look my way. I fantasize about being 40 again. Heck, I'd even take 50. He starts to laugh, then twinges, and rubs some magic tonic into what, on a younger man, would be a six-pack. I don't think that's the sort of fantasy they meant, but decide to leave it for now. I need to pee. I'm juggling the newspaper and magnifying glass to see the crossword puzzle when the phone rings. You've reached the nut house. Hank answers. Head squirrel speaking. I chuckle. Hank's phone etiquette has been called many things. Cheesy, juvenile, annoying, disrespectful. I find it endearing. Especially since my great-grandchildren often call Hank's laugh line, and I get a chance to speak with them. I gave up on two down when two's not enough and three's not a crowd, 11 letters. And I'm trying to fit S-T-E-L-L-A into five down, an unwelcome distraction, when I hear Hank, still on the phone, say, We'd love to join you for dinner, Stella. I feel my wrinkles deepen to canyons before remembering my research. Compliment him. As Hank hangs up the phone, I set aside the crossword and try to add longing to my sunken eyes. Hanky-panky, I reach up to him, pull him closer. You smell good. As I start what I intend as a long, sexy sniff, Hanky-panky rips off a long, loud Oh, so unerotic fart. The air might not turn green with stink waves, but my face sure does. How many farts does it take to empty a room? Hank asks, 
picking up the newspaper to fan away the tainted air. A pew. With mere hours before Stella's dinner, I prepare to wear sexy underwear under my clothes by acquiring said sexy underwear. It's my first time in sweet teas. I dismiss it every time I'm in the mall, completely content with my granny panties. But today, I'm on a mission. A mission to keep my man. And if sexy underwear is what it'll take, then sexy underwear is what he'll get. The back of the store, where the tease sign hangs from the ceiling, is filled with straps, feathers, and buckles. I pick up an item, hold it against myself, glancing in the mirror, trying to decide how I'd put it on. By the time I realize it's not meant to contain bosoms so much as accentuate them, bosoms that don't need external support, that is, I have an audience. The sales clerk and cashier try to contain their glee. I flush with a heat that's reminiscent of menopause, and I quickly retreat to the area under the gently swaying sweet sign. From a wall of bras and matching panties, I grab something in light blue, Hank's favorite color, that is advertised to perfect your shape and head to the register. Mabel? Stella appears. I thought that was you. The cashier starts wrapping my purchase, assuming, or perhaps hoping, it's a gift. Do lingerie? Hank's a lucky man. I've stretched so far beyond my comfort zone. This final tug causes me to snap. Yes, lucky to have me, not you, me. You had your shot and you left. Well, now it's my turn, mine. The cashier doesn't even bother to stifle her laugh. I grab the bag and leave the store. Stella matches me pace for pace. You're right. I did leave. Then why come back? I don't pause for her answer. When Jimmy died, I realized my friends were superficial flakes who cared more about gossip and manicures than supporting each other. I stop abruptly. Stella bumps into me and we catch each other before falling. Other than Jimmy, Hank was the last person to make me feel special. Still holding her, I look into Stella's eyes for the first time and see loneliness. I'm sorry for your loss. I, I know how it hurts, and I really do. But Hank's with me now. I realized that when my dinner date turned into a group event. She rolls her eyes, laughing at herself, not me. To him, you will always be included. I glance at my sweet treats bag. Did I even ask Hank how he feels? I shake my head, clearing space for new thoughts. And so will you. My inner teenager is flabbergasted, disgusted. She urges me to throw a rude comment, to tear this woman down. Why did I ever listen to her? I have 84 years of hard-earned wisdom. I'm kind I'm empathetic, and I've been through what Stella is struggling with now. 
If I didn't have my girls, might I have sought comfort in my past? Stella's brow is knit, part heartbreak, part protective wall, part curious confusion. I laugh at the bag in my hand, at Hank's laugh line, at Sophie's sweet innocence, mostly at myself. You're Hank's wife. I link arms with Stella and continue walking. Technically, family. Stella matches my pace, puts her free hand gently atop mine. I smile, delighted by this turn of events. In addition to my love to end all loves, I have a newfound friend for the end of the world. After all, I won't be around forever. I hope this little love triangle brought some levity to your day. I mean, who wouldn't love Hank for his utter joy at life? As a special gift to my listeners this month, I've made a ringtone of Hank's laugh line. I'll leave a link in the show notes, or you can visit my Facebook page to pick it up. I don't want to ruin any joy the story has brought you, but I can't bring myself to sign off without a few last words. My heart goes out to you all in this time of uncertainty. Please, no matter where you are, know that you are not alone. If you're in a position to help, please reach out to those who cannot. A loaned book, a can of soup, or a phone call can make a huge difference. If you are feeling lonely, reach out to your friends and family. They love you, and even though they can't hug you right now, a phone call or a video call... Even writing letters and emails can make all the difference. If you are scared, hurting, or mourning, give yourself the time and compassion to heal. Please stay safe and smile when you can. Our global mental health is taking just as much of a beating as our global physical health. We can come through this stronger. The planet will have taken a cleansing breath. Our hearts will be open and welcoming. It's just a matter of time. Well, that's it for another episode of Storytime with Darcy. Special thanks to my loving family, Hilke, Ron, Anissa, Pamela, and Lyra. Thank you for sharing your voices this month. If you would like to become a voice on Storytime with Darcy, please reach out. My eclectic stories need a variety of voices, and yours will be a welcome addition. Thank you for listening. To read more of my stories and perhaps inspire my next one, Join me on Facebook at Darcy T. Kelly. That's D-A-R-C-I-E-T-K-E-L-L-Y. I mentioned at the top of the show that you can also read the story in my book, Musings. I still have a few copies of the second edition of the collection of short stories available. Give me a shout on Facebook or email if you'd like to buy a copy. And of course, subscribe here for future episodes of Storytime with Darcy. <laughs> As a dozen brittle bangs of... <laughs> Betty's shuffle. <laughs> Hank is always up for an adventure. I really can't. I'm really having trouble. Okay. <sighs>
Stella shimmies her boobs. <laughs> <laughs> 